Welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. I'm your host for this episode, Taryn Hunt. On today's podcast, I sit down with Wyatt Buback of the Utah DWR. He's the law enforcement captain here in Utah. And we talk about the baiting bill that went into place recently. I think most everybody's aware of the, the House bill that was presented by Representative Casey Snyder. It's uh, been a pretty hot topic um, article for us as well as just a hot topic conversation piece um, on social media. And there's been a lot of questions circulating about what the bill really truly looks like, what people can and can't do with baiting in Utah, um, when they can do it, when they can't do it. And so on today's podcast, he and I sit down and we, we go into the weeds a little bit and talk about the nitty gritty of this, of this bill. And again, what we can and can't do here in Utah as it pertains to baiting. So if you are a person that uses bait for trail cameras, for hunting, for whatever purpose, this is one that you'll want to pay attention to so that you know the ins and outs of it, as well as what happens if, uh, if the rules aren't followed. So I want to thank Wyatt for sitting down with me again. This is his second time on the show, and I'm grateful for him taking the time to chat with me and, and share the, the details behind some of these things. So I'm grateful for him and his time. Also thankful for Vortex Optics. They sponsor everything that we do here at eHunter. Um, I mentioned this a couple times on the podcast, but they have some new stuff coming out in the next month. So stay tuned for that. We'll make sure and put it up on our stuff, but as well as on their page, you'll see the new product launches. So check them out, vortexoptics.com. Also want to send a shout out to Grim Reaper Broadheads. Um, they, uh, they're pretty amazing. We've had some Facebook discussions lately about the, uh, the effects of the Grim Reaper Broadheads, and it sounds like uh, a lot of people use them. A lot of people that I've actually known for quite some time use them and have been very successful with them. So um, if you are in the market for new broadheads or want to try something different, um, check out Grim Reaper Broadheads. Uh, it doesn't look like you'll be very disappointed <laughs> in using them. They're pretty amazing. So appreciate them and sponsoring the podcast. All right, guys, let's jump right into it. Here's the podcast with Wyatt Buback. Remember to subscribe to the to the podcast, share it around. If you have any friends that may be interested in this, especially this specific episode talking about the Utah baiting laws, make sure and send it over to him. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. I am super stoked. I say that every every podcast because I really enjoy these podcasts. I love um, being able to learn and you know, especially this one because, as most everybody knows, I moved back to Utah, and, and uh, you know, I'm really interested in what's going on in, in Utah as it relates to hunting and different uh, regulations that are coming out and whatnot. And so, uh, super excited to have Wyatt Buback with me again on on the podcast. He was with me. Oh goodness, it's been in, been about a year. But uh, Wyatt, you there? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Welcome, man. Welcome back to the show. No, I appreciate, it, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you you taking the time to to chat with me and you know answer a lot of questions that that people have. That's I, I feel like a lot of what we do here at eHunter is kind of be that we're kind of that middleman. A lot of people will reach out and ask questions, and um, I know that they can reach out directly to to you guys. But um, we're happy to facilitate some of those questions and then uh, get on this and record with Utah or with you all. So. Um, Wyatt, before we get started, I, I'm sure most everybody knows you and, and what you do, but for those that don't, if you wouldn't mind just uh, kind of telling us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, no problem. So my name's Wyatt Bubak. I'm a captain with the Division of Wildlife Law Enforcement Section here in Utah. And uh, basically my role in my current position is kind of overseeing statewide operations. So I supervise 
ultimately all the officers in the field and as well as their supervisors make sure that um, everything's going smooth, that they have all the resources they need to, to, to perform their daily duties, and that's kind of the gist of what I do from day to day. Well, thank you, and I, and I appreciate all you do, Wyatt, honestly. Um, again, now that I'm a, a resident here, but even when I was, and I appreciate all you do for, for Utah, the the wildlife here in Utah, and, and the sportsmen, you know, you, you help us out a ton, so thank you so much for everything that you do. Our pleasure. It is a genuine joy to, this job is, this job is, is like no other. It's a blast. So happy to have it, happy to talk to guys like you, and uh, appreciate you helping get the message out here. Oh, my pleasure. And I, I can only imagine. I, there's some pretty cool jobs out there, but I don't know that it gets much cooler than the job that you have, at least in, in our world. Guys like me that like to be out in the, in the wild and, and be involved in this, I mean, you have a pretty sweet job. <laughs> yeah, there's almost, there's very, very rarely a day that uh, I'm not excited to get up and go to work, especially in the field positions. Those, those conservation officers, are, they work their tails off, but man, they they do have an enjoyable job that's for sure yes they do and that's what life's about honestly if you can wake up and be happy to go to work and enjoy what you do <laughs> i mean hey that, that's what life's about yeah. so one 100 percent awesome well Wyatt, today we're going to talk about um this new baiting bill and and the things that have gone you know that have changed and will change i guess here here in utah um we've put a couple articles up on our website about it and I think that created more questions and um, comments from, from people, interestingly enough, not just people that live uh, here in Utah, but um, people that live all over that come to Utah, you know, that um, they enjoy coming out and running their trail cameras and, you know, planning for hunts and, and things like that. And so a lot of questions around this, this new baiting uh, bill that was passed. And I believe it was Casey Snyder, Representative Casey Snyder, that was one that introduced it. Um, but but Wyatt, if you wouldn't mind, uh, let's kind of start off by just talking about um, this new legislation. How how did it come about, and, and what was the purpose, the initial purpose behind this? Yeah, no problem at all. So in, in the West, there's been a growing concern with chronic wasting disease, obviously r- routinely referred to as CWD. Uh, Colorado has concerns with it, and a number of Western states are, are currently have concerns with it or have growing concerns with it. So we have a mule deer working group that got together and talked about some chronic wasting disease concerns and how to limit congregations of big game animals, which is which is one factor that leads or helps the spread of CWD is, is having a bunch of animals in close proximity. And in those working groups, they identified uh, bait or feeding or anything like that that brings a bunch of these big game animals together as a concern that we wanted to try to help reduce. Um, so the division as a whole started um, really looking at if we should be transplanting deer and being very careful about when and how we do that, as well as uh, our feeding. And we, we still have options to feed during really bad winters. But overall, we just looked at our programs and tried to try to identify where we could limit or eliminate uh these feeding type things baiting is one of those other ones that that came up and so that all started with the mule deer working group and then obviously we had legislation this past year go through that that made big game uh, the baiting of big game unlawful in utah uh, for the purposes of hunting and and there was a lot of discussions on that Um, it had four or five different substitutes that had a lot of input 
at the committee and House uh, and Senate floors. Um, and ultimately, we ended up with uh, the law we have now that makes hunting, essentially hunting over bait, unlawful. Uh, but, it, but it all stems, at least on our side, the division side, from concerns with the spread of disease. That's actually very helpful because a lot of the, you know, the way that a lot of people are looking at this is they feel like they're, the reason behind this was to um, kind of put restrictions on hunters because they felt like that, you know, maybe, maybe they felt like the hunters were being too successful in what they were doing. And so it's nice to hear that it wasn't just to, to get at hunters to, you know, to change the way that they do things. It's nice to hear that there was a little bit of a, you know, biology behind it, for lack of better words. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, our, our major concern with this as a division is certainly the disease aspect of it. Oh, that's, that is really good to hear. Um, you know, and it does change the way that hunters go about their business. You know, I mean, most hunters, I'm not sure to say most, but a lot of hunters in the West, that's what they do is, you know, they run trail cameras, they bait, and then they continue to, to hunt that same area and, and hunt over that bait. And so um, it definitely will change the, the landscape of how people, uh, how hunters pursue game. Um, but we can talk a little bit more, uh, more about what that looks like here in just a minute. But um, another question I had for you was, was public input solicited um, on this decision? Uh, how did that process go? And I'll be honest, I'm a little ignorant when it comes to this because I was in Colorado at this time and didn't get super involved uh, during that period. But was the public uh, solicited for information or thoughts during that time? Yeah, so yeah, so there was a, a lot of debate um, and public input provided, whether indirectly or directly. I'll get into those details. But uh, basically on the c- committee floor, the public has the ability or, to kind of voice their support or opposition to those things. And we had 25 or 30 people from the general public voice their concerns there on the committee uh, floor when this this bill was being proposed. Uh, there was a ton of discussion on the House and Senate floor as well. Uh, basically, that's where legislators are speaking for their constituents uh, within the representative represented area. And there was a ton of discussion between legislators on on this specific bill. So, as far as as far as input, um, passion, and and discussion tied to a, a, a new bill, this one had a lot. And so there, there was certainly public input heard on on every level through the process on this bill. That that honestly is uh, pretty comforting because you know a lot of people felt I shouldn't say, I keep saying a lot of people and please uh, for everybody that's listening don't don't misunderstand me here I, I I feel like it's a lot but it probably wasn't that many um, it kind of felt like it snuck on up on them a little bit and you know if, and if you paid attention to the news releases, if you paid attention to the eHunter website, you know, you kind of knew that this was this was coming. And so I'm glad to hear that the public had the opportunity to share their thoughts about it. And, and most decisions, I believe, made by the Utah DWR or really legislation in general, um, they, they have that public input so that, um, you know, we can all as hunters, outdoorsmen or, you know, on the contrary, on the other, on the opposite side saying, you know, different things, everybody has their input on it, which is, is, is pretty awesome. So, so, so yeah, why, there's, oh, there's a couple, oh, no, I was just going to say there's a couple different processes that public input gets, gets put in. Typically most of our regulations or recommendations coming out of the division go through the rack and board process. And I can explain that more if you need me to, but, um, 
that's a standard practice and there, there's a lot of um, public input there. It's what the hunting public is more familiar with. It's not all too often that regulations pertaining to hunting and fishing or trapping go through legislation. And so this was, while not completely new, it's, it's just less common than the rack and board process. So that may be one factor why people were felt it snuck up on them is because it didn't go through the more common channels. Still, still legally allowed and still uh, completely appropriate, but uh, just a different channel than it typically goes through. Would you actually mind explaining that a little bit more? That rack and board process. There may be people that don't know. You know, if you, would you mind kind of explaining yeah. that process in a little bit more detail? Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to do so, and it may come up later in this discussion as well as we talk about this house bill a little bit more. But so basically, RAC stands for Regional Advisory Councils. Uh, the state of Utah is divided into five regions: the northern, central, southern northeastern and southeastern and each of those regions have a regional advisory council uh, when the division has proposed rule changes or management changes you know a uh, number of permits that they're going to offer or whatever it may be new allowed weapons let's say uh, they'll take those recommendations through each and every one of those racks and uh, the public has a, an opportunity to hear those presentations hear the information that the division's presenting and at these rack meetings and then they can the public can voice their opinions to the RAC board. Um, the RAC board will then vote on those recommendations, and, and they're oftentimes altered through uh, motions and things of that nature. But ultimately, the RAC will come up with one consensus as to what the region recommends the division do on that recommendation. And so we go through those five regions, make those presentations, and each region then takes their recommendation to what is the wildlife board who ultimately makes the decision on what gets implemented. And so that's how the public voice is heard through what's, what's a more standard process for the division is, is we make proposals to those racks, the, the public voices their concerns in their, their representative regional racks. Uh, the rack board takes the regions and public's opinion to the wildlife board and the wildlife board make ultimately makes a decision from there on what occurs. And so if you're not familiar with the racks, schedule or process uh, we have all that stuff online so if you're if you're not sure where to get your voice heard or where you want where you're able to voice your opinion on a given topic uh, that rack process is typically the, the best avenue for the public awesome and i i've been to those rack meetings uh for you all that are listening and yes exactly what white said you can go online uh, to the website and and find out when those meetings are going to be held in your region um but you know if you're you know, if you're into hunting and wildlife and things like that, you know those rack meetings are really good to attend. There's a lot of discussion, a really good discussion. They present a lot of good information about possible changes that may be coming up. Um, and, and like Wyatt said, you're able to to express, um, or you can, and some of them express, uh, you know, your thoughts and feelings um, in those different situations. And so, I, I've really I gleaned a lot of information from those rack meetings. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been to one, but I, I'm excited to be back in Utah and be able to to start a, a, attending those again. So so thank you, Wyatt, for explaining that for those that um, aren't familiar with that whole process. My pleasure. So let's jump back into this house bill a little bit, um, and let's kind of get into the weeds and the detail, details of it. Um, we put a few bullet points up on, the, on our website in, in our article, but would you mind just taking a few minutes and, and kind of explaining the details uh, around this this new house bill and the regu regulations that go along with it? 
Yes. So the House bill covered three different things. House Bill 295 covered three different things. One was uh, it asked the Wildlife Board to establish some sort of regulation on trail cameras, which we can discuss if you if you want to. Um, it also talked about baiting, which has been the hot topic lately, and it talked about guiding on waterfowl management areas. Um, as it pertains to baiting, basically it, it defines what bait is. Um, I'll go ahead and, and read it for your public just so that um, we're on the same page here. One second. Um, it says, bait means intentionally placing food or nutrient substances to manipulate the behavior of wildlife for the purposes of taking or attempting to take big game. Then it goes on to say that uh, bait does not include like salt and things that agricultural producers would put out for their cattle. And again, that that has to be put out by the producer for their cattle specifically. Um, Standing crops, things like that aren't considered bait. So it defines what bait is and then tells you, you know, when you're legally allowed to harvest or how you can use bait. Um, To to put it simply, you can put bait out to during preseason um, hunting in Utah. Other states are different, but in Utah, the way this code reads and the way, way we're enforcing it, um, you can pre-season bait for big game species. You just can't harvest an animal over that bait. Um, so basically what that entails is put out bait in July, you have to pick it up before your hunt, and then you can hunt deer or elk or whatever um, in that area. Um, the question we often get is, or are getting a lot, is how how long before the season do I have to pick that bait up in order to not break the law? And there's nothing in this code that defines what a time frame. It simply says that it can't be manipulating the movements of big game species. So if you put out, you know, bait in July and you pull it the day before the season and the next day a deer or elk, you know, coming to or from that bait pile and his movements are being altered because of that bait that was there, that is still unlawful to harvest that animal. Um, you have to ensure that the animal you're taking, its movements are not being manipulated by the bait that you had out there previously. Um, so that's that's different than, let's say, Wyoming, that uh, doesn't allow baiting of any kind during any time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Boy, let me unpack that just a little bit. So I've got my trail cameras out right now, and I'm just doing. I think I know the answer, so I'm just doing this for clarification. Um, my trail, my trail cameras are out right now. I got critter licks sitting in front of them right now. That's okay, right? There's, there's no problem with that, right? Yep, that is 100% legal. Perfect. So, okay, so this year in Utah, I didn't draw any tags. Um, I, you know, I won't have any licenses in my pocket at any point this year. So the way that reads, where, where I won't be harvesting any animals this year in Utah, technically I could bait for my trail camera purposes all year long. Is that does that is that correct? Yep, yep, that would be correct. Uh, the word of caution I'd offer there is that, um, let's say you tell a friend about that bait, and uh, they ultimately harvested an animal over that bait or going to or from that bait. Even though it's not their bait, um, they're still harvesting big game over bait so you could if you're not careful you could get your friends or family in trouble um in that fashion but yes as you stated it that would be completely legal run bait all year around just as long as you're not harvesting or someone is not harvesting big game over bait okay and from a citation perspective if say that was to happen and a family member was to harvest that animal 
um, they would be cited for that, not myself, right? Not the person that put the bait out and the trail camera out. It'd be the person that actually mm-hmm. harvested that that uh, big game animal, correct? So, yeah, it'd be based on intent. So the, if, if the person that harvested that knew the bait was there and hunted and, and harvested that animal because of the bait, um, they're certainly um, at odds with this regulation. However, there's we also have a code called aiding and assisting where basically depending on your level of culpability and involvement, you can be charged for like crime. So okay. uh, that doesn't mean that the person who put out the bait is free and clear. We'd obviously look at it and decide, you know, did they know that that person was going to go hunt or, you know, that nature. But uh, uh, you're not necessarily free and clear. You could be subject to some violations, but we just look at that on a case-by-case basis. Perfect. Perfect. That, I think that's fantastic information because I, I did worry about that, honestly. I worry that, you know, people would put out the bait and, you know, for their trail cameras and then have all these pictures and say, okay, well, I can't do this, but you go ahead and, and do it. And so thinking that there would be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing on them. So yeah. I, thank you so much for clarifying that. Um, yeah, no problem. So I guess, you know, one of the biggest questions I had that came in and you, you basically answered this was, you know, like, what are the dates? You know, what are the dates for when I, I have to stop baiting to when I can start baiting again for trail camera purposes or or for whatever purpose people bait animals? But it's really not technically date driven. It's basically just don't do it during the hunt kind of a thing. Yeah. And just make sure that if you if you do put out bait that you're not you know, harvesting something that's, that's coming back to that bait, whether it's there or not. But yeah, you're, it, it, in all these substitutes that this bill saw, there was at one time a date range in which you could have bait out or not have bait out. Uh, but, but that didn't make it through the final revision, obviously to the code that we currently have. So just be cautious. I, I think if, if people know or feel like they're pushing the limits or like, uh, like, animals still maybe come to this because I didn't pull it very long ago. I'd caution the error on the side of, of, of not harvesting an animal there just so that they're not getting themselves into a tight spot. I think people that um, go about this, honestly, they won't have any issues. Uh, and our goal is to catch the people that are blatantly trying to do it and, and doing it to their advantage. But um, yeah, preseason bait, just make sure that, that you don't push the line and, and have animals still coming to that that you're harvesting. You know what? I really appreciate your perspective um, in that, you know, like you you personally, and, I, and I'm sure that all of your officers uh, in the field with you are, are the same way, but I love how you respond to these questions and, and you truly look at intent uh, behind it. You know, if, if I would imagine that if there was no intent and it was just, you know, it just kind of happened that way, that it'd be a completely different situation than, like you said, if it's that person that's out there blatantly, they've got a big pile of critter lick and they shoot that elk right on top of it, you know, then (laughs) then we're, okay, you're, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Exactly. Those are the individuals that, that as long as they knew about the baiting law, that, that just totally disregard it, that are essentially stealing opportunity from the rest of us. Those are the individuals that, that we're hoping to address things from we're, we're not looking to address you know or or spend a ton of effort on the people that, that have historically put salt down let's say and 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 it's leaked into the ground and they haven't put salt out for a year or two but it's still there like and they're not putting new salt out those aren't the people they're trying to obey the law and yeah. we will certainly work with those people it's the the people that 
that know the law and just blatantly disregard it that we that we're hoping to catch. Well, I'm so grateful for that perspective. I honestly am because that that would be my scenario. I'm sure because I have been putting salt out for a very long time in certain areas, and sure. you know, it just kind of like you said, it just settles into the ground and animals keep coming back to that area just because it's you know it's been there for quite a while and so so i i really do appreciate that perspective and i know that my listeners are, are the same way and, and appreciate your guys's approach on that so thank you for that um does this have anything are there wow let me try let me start over with that is this species specific um is it just big game is it bears turkeys uh what species does this include so yeah it's it's specific to big game so waterfowl will have its own baiting uh they have a time frame in the waterfowl that bait has to be removed for 10 days and then you can hunt that area uh, turkey still has the same regulations that you can't harvest over bait so this this particular code is specific to big game okay all right thank you for for clarifying that because that is another question that has come out or come up quite often is does this change the way i i turkey hunt or bear hunt or or whatever so um yeah bear bear will will remain the same you just get your cor for a bait station and and get all that cleared through the division and you're good there so yeah baiting for bears still lawful as long as you get the permits that you need or the approvals i hate to jump down a rabbit hole but i'm going to do it um because baiting for bears is such a, a big kind of a hot topic because every state is so mm-hmm. so much different now in utah there's there are seasons that you can bait for bears there are seasons you can use dogs is that is that still the case i'm sorry for my ignorance here yep. nope you're no problem at all and i'm i'm not super familiar with bear hunting as far as the details but yeah we i, I know enough about it to speak on it for sure but uh, we have you know the baiting season the dog season we have spot and sock type stuff um so all those historical uh, methods for taking bears are still in place. Nothing has been altered outside of what would be changed every year as far as season dates and, and permit numbers and things of that nature. But as far as methods, they're all in place and the same as they've always been. Okay, cool. Appreciate that. Um, you'd mentioned uh, going back to the the House bill, and, and and thank you for answering these questions. And I got a few more as it relates to baiting and and kind of when everything goes in, into place. But you'd mentioned the trail camera changes with this new House bill. Would you mind touching on that just a little bit and telling uh, the listener our listeners um, a little bit about the details on that? Yeah, sure. So as I say, the House bill had three different kind of things it touched on one of which is trail cameras and it it didn't establish any regulations on trail cameras it just said that the wildlife board which um, is the board we talked about with the rack and board process is tasked with creating regulations for trail cameras it didn't give any guidance as to what that should be Um, they basically wanted the wildlife board and the racks to get public opinion to help create what that regulation should look like and so we did a, a technology survey, which largely consisted of trail camera questions, but it also had things like um, night vision. Uh, people supported or opposed the use of night vision for, for big game stuff. That clarified some of our definitions for like muzzleloader, but a big aspect of that was trail camera stuff um, to help decide how how we could propose a recommendation there. So. Uh, that nothing will change in this current big game season, the 2021 season. Uh, but you will see either in November or April, forgive me if my dates are a little off, but they're not going to be off by much. But 
in the rack and board process in, in November or April, you'll see recommendations coming from the division um, on trail cameras, on night vision, on a number of those technologies that we did a survey on. Um, the public will be able to provide input, uh, support, or oppose the division's recommendation and, and figure out a solution that's best for the public. But you'll see that uh, likely have something in effect for the 2022 big game hunting season. But as it stands right now, all trail cameras are lawful. Um, run them year-round. Um, run them for whatever you want. Uh, just be on the lookout for a little bit of a change uh, for the 2022 season as it pertains to trail cameras. Okay. I love trail cameras. Uh, I, you know, I use I do use them for hunting a little bit, but honestly, I just use them because I like taking, you know, really cool pictures of, of animals. And so I I hope that it doesn't get changed too much. But And this is kind of becoming a, a, a commercial for the rack meetings. But, um, you know, that's a good reason, another good reason to go to those rack meetings. And, and just like you just said, Wyatt, I mean, you guys, it, it's going to be brought up in the next couple um sessions and so for you guys that are listening make sure that you attend those if if you love running trail cameras and want to be involved in it make sure that you attend those and make sure that your opinion is heard uh during those those public hearings and um yeah let you, let your voice be heard so you said that that won't go into you know that those changes wouldn't happen this year and wouldn't go into effect until possibly the hunting season for for 2022 as far as this house bill that we we're talking about with the the new baiting um changes is that in effect as of right now or will that go into effect later what what's the dates on that yeah so that went into effect on may 5th um so here a couple months ago so the bait the baiting aspect of that is currently in place um and has been for a couple months okay awesome thank you i, I want to kind of end oh well this might take us down a few more, a few more rabbit holes here. But Happy I, to do it, man. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. Is to answer your question. Well, I appreciate that, especially these ones on the fly as well. But, um, you know, I, I just keep thinking about uh, enforcing this, and and I, you guys have a tough job. I I don't know how you all do it, and. and you know, I, I swear, if it, you know, if I was to ever do anything wrong, then one of you guys would be standing right there next to me. And I, I but I know there's a lot of people that uh, do stuff and, and get away with it and nobody ever knows. And so um, have you thought about how you all are going to enforce this? Is it do you feel like it's going to be difficult to enforce? There's certainly some challenges uh, associated with it. I mean, the, the easiest case we'll have is, is we're sitting there and we watch someone shoot a a big game animal over a bait pile. Obviously those are the people we're trying to catch and, and that's going to be a challenge to make that happen. And um, as far as if a deer is moving to and from a bait pile that was there, I mean, there's some certain challenges with determining um, if this law has been violated or not, but we've, we've got a, a running list of, of reports that have already come in regarding baiting that we're keeping tabs on to kind of see uh, when these, these bait piles are removed and monitor what gets harvested in these areas. And so it, it will take a, a, a notable amount of time and effort on our end. One, because it's a new law and we're trying to figure out what challenges are associated with the new law. And, and then in some places of the code, it's a little, a little vague with no like uh, dates or something that you've referenced earlier. So there'll be some, some work on our end to do, um, but we're pretty confident we, we have a good idea of, 
of how we want to approach this. But um, there, there's some challenges there. Yeah, I, I just kept thinking about that, that it, it would be hard to – well, I shouldn't say hard. You know, it just maybe like you said, there may be just some challenges that, that will come a, along with this. And, and I would imagine, um, you know, you may rely on a lot of just public reporting, honestly, of, of people that see different things, um, see people hunting over bait or whatever. I'm, I'm sure that'll be – that'll kind of play into it as well. Yeah, that's largely what we've been operating on right now. Is we, we've had a, a fairly decent number of reports of, of bait piles put out because we, when this bill originally came out, we weren't sure if it prohibited uh, preseason baiting or not. And so it took us a little bit of time and, and discussion to, to clearly identify what this bill was, was trying to tackle. And so it took us a while to get some information out to the public. And in the meantime, you know, the guys are going into – to sportsmen's and buying trophy rocks and different supplements and and people are reporting that to us because it wasn't clear if all baiting was illegal or not but we've, we've got that all hashed out um we've been notified about a number of bait piles that are currently on the landscape and like i said we're monitoring those to see if we have any foul play during the hunting season uh there so hopefully we don't but um but we've got resources on the ground working on stuff currently Oh, well, wonderful. That, that's awesome. And I am really glad that this doesn't, uh, at this point, impact, you know, preseason baiting um, from a personal level because I that's where I really do most of my, if I do baiting, that's where I'll do baiting. It's just because I, I love, you know, once hunting starts, I, I'm into hunting and I don't really use trail cameras and things like that or baiting, bait, I should say, to hunt. And so... Um, you know, most of my baiting is for preseason scouting with trail cameras, and I honestly just love it to uh, take take pictures. So I'm glad to have the clarification that this doesn't impact preseason uh, baiting. We can still do that. We can still put those bait piles out in front of our cameras and enjoy, you know, just seeing those animals uh, in different elements. So what about all, all this could change in the future so just keep your ear to the ground so uh, you never know what may come of legislation or, or rack and board processes so um but that's where we stand right now for sure it is an ever-changing thing you know i look at um you know sorry to go down another rabbit hole but arizona you know now they i, I believe they completely ban trail cameras now is that right Yep, that's that's our understanding as well. Wow. So that's the thing is, you know, it it definitely could change and you know, I I think for a lot of people is you got to you got to really look at both sides here. You know, I I know there's a lot of people that have gotten emotional uh or taken the emotion side of, of this and think that this is a true attack on hunters and it, and it really truly isn't. Um, and that's one thing I, I love about talking with you and, and everybody at the DWR is, you know, there's there are good reasons behind this uh, um, that have been researched and analyzed, and and so I, I appreciate that. Um, one other question that I had for you, why, as it relates to um, you know citations and and that kind of stuff, is is what does the the citations? What does the, for lack of better words, what is the punishment? Um, look like if someone is caught uh, harvesting a big game animal over bait yeah it goes initially it goes every case is different so we obviously look at the intent behind it to start off with and then that kind of kind of helps us guide guides our direction on how we how we address the situation but if if a citation or or knowing intentional violation occurs it can range anywhere from a class b misdemeanor to a third degree felony 
depending on on the animal and or the size of the animal that you harvest um, or whoever harvests unlawfully over bait. So it could be uh, anywhere from a warning of, you know, you didn't know, we, we need you to know, and here's a learning lesson to you knew and chose chose not to obey the law and and potentially face third-degree felony charges. Um, tied with that, again, based on the situation, could come license suspensions and obviously court fines that are associated with those types of things. So um, could could be fairly stiff if, if the person chooses to, to violate this. Well, I hope that puts the fear in, in some people not to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A third degree felony would not be not be a fun a fun charge to get. So, oh, man. Uh, but that kind of speaks to the to the volume of uh, of concern you could be facing if you want to kind of push the envelope there. So, you mentioned in there the the size of the animal. So, um, I mean, would it be different if someone harvested a you know a, a small you know, a little forked horn mule deer, or if they harvested a 400-inch bull elk, I mean, would that fine look different, or the citation look different for each of those? Yeah, so so a trophy deer is a, a third-degree felony. Uh, trophy deer is any deer that's 24 inches or wider outside spread. Um, doesn't go off a of score, doesn't go off of points, just goes by off of, of inches of antler uh, as far as width goes. Uh, any elk's a felony, although um, if you shoot an elk with a six point on one side or greater, uh, then that can increase your suspension time as, as well as a trophy deer. So that's that's what drives the increase in charges and increases in suspension time. Is I I don't like to use the term because all deer are important, but the caliber of deer in which you harvest or elk um, is defined in code and, and drives some of those suspensions and fines. And ultimately charges. I mean, this is kind of going back to the conversation you and I had about poaching, and it sounds like it's a, kind of a similar process. Uh, not exactly the same, but there there are some similarities there. Yeah, it it would essentially if you if you kill an animal illegally over bait, it's essentially poaching, and, and would follow those same guidelines that and guidances that we we've, we've talked about in the past on this show. Okay, would that go under? Sorry, I'm getting into the weeds here, but would that? Um... Would that be reported as a poaching and would go towards the the poaching numbers for the year? Yeah. So any any what we'll define as as a poaching is just basically a, a very loose term used for wildlife that's taken unlawfully. Okay. So if, if you go fishing, you have a fishing license that say the limits for trout and you catch five, uh, that would go into our our unlawful take or poaching numbers, however you want to word it, as one illegal fish. And so it'd be applied the same to big game. If if you kill a a deer at night, or kill a deer over bait, or shoot a deer without a license, that would all go into our our poaching or unlawful take numbers for the year. Okay, awesome. And you're probably thinking, "Wow, Taryn, you already asked me those questions. I can't believe you're asking me those questions again." But I, <laughs> I know that we do have new listeners that probably haven't listened sure. to yours and my last podcast. So I wanted to make sure that. Uh, that we got that out there. And I remember you talking about that, that is any unlawful harvesting of, of an animal um, goes into those, those numbers or just, well, just like you said, even with fish, I mean, it, it still goes right. into those numbers. So. And I, I want to make it clear that uh, the word poaching may or, or poached animal or poacher may be used, but we completely understand that some things are done on accident and, and we don't 
attach any type of a stigma and would hope that the general public doesn't attach any type of a stigma of a poacher to, to someone that did something on accident. We have plenty of those accidents every year, uh, especially in waterfowl with misidentification of birds and, uh, and, and those people certainly aren't bad people. There are bad people out there, but not everybody that shoots something illegally is, is a bad person in the slightest. Yeah. yeah. You and I kind of talked about that, that last time is, you know, we're mistakes happen. And I, and I think you said that, that, you know, the best thing honestly to do is just self-report, just, you know, be upfront and honest, let, let Wyatt and his team know what happened. Just, Hey, I made a mistake. You know, I, I didn't know about this or, Hey, this, this happened and by accident shot, like you said, shot the wrong, um, bird or whatever the case may be. But I, I would just, say you know just be upfront and honest with Wyatt and his team and I think you're probably going to be better off I I guess I don't mean to put words in your mouth Wyatt but I kind of we <laughs> kind of had that feeling on our last call yeah yeah we certainly have a lot of respect and appreciation for for someone that does the right thing when they realize that that something has gone wrong and uh, that is most certainly factored into our decisions awesome well, I appreciate that. That's that's very cool of you because uh, we are human. We do make mistakes, and especially as hunters, we're not the most educated people in the world. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, <laughs> we try. We definitely try, and I hope that people you know do try to educate themselves. Listen to the podcast like this. You know, if you're going to be hunting in a specific state, take the time to learn the regulations. Know what you can and can't do. If you're if you're baiting, if you're trapping, if you're fishing, whatever you're doing, make sure you know the regulations that that come along with it. So, why that pretty much covers that house bill, and I appreciate you explaining the details of it. And um, I know it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about what I'm doing and how I can approach things. And I hope it does our listeners. Was there anything else about that bill or baiting in specific that we didn't touch on that you wanted to share? No, I think we, we covered it pretty well. If you, if you have questions, call a regional office. If you know your local conservation officer, give them a call. Um, we'd much rather you ask a question and get the right answer, uh, than assume or, or guess and, uh, go out there and accidentally do something wrong. If you have, uh, we have a frequently asked questions page on our division website at wildlife.utah.gov specific to baiting and the questions that we're getting regularly on baiting. Um, if you want to to go on that web page, on the top right corner, there's a search bar. If you just type baiting in there, it'll be the first thing that pulls up, and you can, can look at these frequently asked questions to make sure that, that you're on the right track. For example, uh, uh, if an agricultural producer puts out salt for his cows, um, can I harvest in that a big game animal over that? And and you can. Um, but all those specifics are detailed on our website if you want to re- refer to those. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes of this show, just so you guys, if you don't remember the the website, I'm on that website frequently. Um, I'm always looking for different questions and or well, different answers, I should say, to questions that I have. And so that that website is a fantastic fantastic resource um for whether you're in state out of state hunter um yeah it's amazing so i'll put a link to in the show notes uh to the website so that you guys can go check it out so well wyatt thank you so much for for joining me and and talking through this i think like i said i think this will put a, a lot of people at ease hopefully take a little bit of the motion out of uh out of this whole bill um it'll be it'll be a change for for some folks um it may 
you know, in their eyes, hinder the way that they hunt. Um, but really, it, it's good to know the, the reasons behind it, what it truly looks like, and then, it, you know, understand what could happen if you you don't obey that that law. So, um, I, again, I appreciate you coming on. appreciate all the information that you shared with us today. My pleasure. Anytime. Cool. All right. Well, sir, I will let you... Uh, I'll let you back to your day. I'm, I'm sure that uh, I'll be reaching out in the near future for uh, a lot more questions from you. And maybe when I'm up in northern Utah, maybe we can actually sit down together and record one of these. Yeah, holler for sure. That'd be a blast. And um, if you ever ever need a law enforcement opinion from the division, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to provide it. Definitely will. Yeah, absolutely will. So, all right. Thank you, sir. You enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, thank you, buddy. All right. See ya. Bye.